Hey, hello there everyone. I'm sitting here in my backyard and looking at the beautiful blue sky, but just wanted to let you know that if for some reason you feel like this podcast sounds like we recorded in a cave, it's because we did. <laughs> just kidding. It still sounds like we're in a cave. Enjoy it. everyone welcome friends once again were we recording that whole time that whole time we were <laughs> recording we have all that oh, we might... yeah so we'll Cut have to tell end. tyson our editor to be selective with any Very extra considering the uh, he decides exodus comments <laughs> exodus is a book in the bible <laughs> hey so uh, <sighs> yes friends once again uh tim and danny here and beautiful. Today is a like, fantastic day. You could not have a more perfect day than this, I don't think. I don't think so either. Um, it's that that if you want to cool off just a little bit, you just go into the shade. And if you want to warm up just a smidge, you just go into the go sun. Go into the sun. It is, is perfect. This is a fine balance. Yep. You know how that works. But it is absolutely magnificent today. Uh, I am going to leave here in a few minutes after we're done recording the podcast. I'm going to go home and I'm going to go on a bike ride. Because it's just perfect. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. I was gonna go this morning, but I had some other things going on, so I could not. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do our Tuesday workout, our Tuesday night. There's a workout here at the church. It's free every Tuesday night, even though that's not who we're bringing this episode to you all by. But uh, you should but check it, could it be out. Co-sponsors. Yeah, yeah, co-sponsors. Co-sponsors. So. Our episode brought to us by Tuesday Workouts. Tim, tell us about Tuesday Workouts. Yeah, Aaron is is a uh, is a fitness trainer coach, and uh, she kicks our butts every Tuesday night. It's a boot camp style esque workout, um, but she's really good at adapting things. So we've got uh, college students all the way up to uh, retired people. Yeah, working out, and uh, I think I might try and convince her to do it outside today. Yeah, it would fun. be perfect to do it outside. Now, Tim, Tim, like this is not what we're going to talk about, but we're going to talk about it anyways, because like you've been doing these workouts, and you you find them extremely helpful because she works you pretty hard, and you just did Rugged Maniac Weekend, uh, the Spartan. Spartan, Spartan, yeah, 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 uh huh, yeah, you did the Spartan thing, two, yeah, two of them. Just tell us two about it. Two of them back to back. We did uh, the. Within all in 24 hours, we did a Spartan Super, which was nine miles and 27 obstacles. And we did the Spartan Sprint, which was five miles and 20 obstacles. So that is two thirds of what they call a trifecta. Now we're just missing a beast, which is uh, 12 plus miles and 30 plus obstacles. That's fantastic. Basically. And on the first race that you did, you you knocked off 45 minutes from your previous one? Oh, so get this. So the very first one I did, which was two years ago, mm-hmm. okay? Two years ago, we ran our very first sprint, which is the five-mile one and not the nine-mile one, right? Five-mile one with 23, 24 obstacles. And we ran that in more time. We were dead. I mean, trashed. And it... It took us then, maybe this is the better way to say it, it took us less time this last weekend to run our super, which was nine miles, 27 obstacles. So 
we beat our sprint time from two years ago, and I shaved 45 minutes off my super from last year. That so. is fantastic. And we're going to give Aaron, our personal trainer, some credit yeah. for getting you yeah. in, in, in shape. That's I know you do other stuff. It's not the only thing I do. you do. Yep, yep. You no, know, but, but. but that's helpful because it's part of, well, I get bored easily, so I need variety. So, you need variety. Uh, <laughs> ADD. Yep. There's a reason we're talking about this instead of the other stuff because like, we both got a little bit of that. Yeah, it yeah. Is. I was stoked. I was stoked. My wife yeah. made it through it all. And uh, yeah. Good I, job. I feel pretty good. I'm... A little sore, but I, I didn't have to do any penalty burpees, which was great. Yes, that is fantastic. <laughs> and like Tim, I hate to tell you, but cue the sad music. Oh. Yeah. We, they don't have these races in California. I know, <laughs> I know that you think they do, but, but they don't. They don't. So by you leaving, you know, you're going to have to find other physical challenges because... It hasn't made it that far west. Right, right. Yeah. Unlike the beast last year that I ran in California. Oh, you did one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I tried. I tried. Whatever. You know, so. this episode is also brought to you by Mother's Day. And you know what your mom could use? A good workout. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Hey, uh, so, 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 okay. So this is a teaser. Um, so this weekend at church... We're gonna do all the, the, the our, our worship songs with a female pronoun. I'm really excited about that. That's gonna be really weird. It is. It's gonna be. It's gonna really twist our brains, and and it might change your worship experience. We're only doing it for a week. For a week. But yeah. uh, to emphasize that uh, number one, God is only a he in the Bible because it was the Bible was written in a patriarchal society. <laughs> yes. And. Uh, and, and so let's let's talk about God in ways that are more inclusive and let's recognize the feminine characteristics of God because there are a lot of those. There's a lot of those. And, and, and you know, um, this is the last podcast that has to do with our series that we just finished this last week, Short mm-hmm. Stories. Um, and so next week might be an interesting, you know, podcast. To, yeah. uh, to Danny, we could Skype our moms in. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, I would have to put subtitles oh, that's for right. my mom. <laughs> That'd be awesome. How do you put subtitles on a, a podcast? podcast? Mm. And we can, we'll we, have Tyson work on it. Tyson, make <laughs> it happen, brother. Make it happen. <laughs> so, yes, Tuesday Night Workouts and Mother's Day. This is what our episode uh, podcast is brought to us by. And we're, like, already 10 minutes into it. Wow. All right. So let's jump right in then. Uh, people, you can you can contact us multiple ways, 720-507-6599, WWTA at LifeSourceAdventist.com, or on Twitter at LaughDenver. But really, Danny, tell me a little bit about your sermon as, as you walked through uh, this experience. Uh, it, was, it was a great weekend here. Uh, Tara talked about uh, kids and did a phenomenal job. Um, but why she loves Life Source. So why she loves Life Source. That was fantastic. And, uh, it was very moving. I yeah. really enjoyed that. It's so, very cool. Yeah. Um, and then you jumped into your sermon. We, and, yeah. Uh, um, so 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 the talk was about you know it's it's it springs board of a dispute a family dispute in a way. Um, Jesus um, is is doing his thing and like at the beginning. Of Luke 12, in verse 1, it says that, that 
that so many thousands of people, as Luke writes it, if so many thousands of people had gathered together to listen to Jesus, they were trampling one another. Those are the words that he uses. I mean, it's like pretty fascinating, like mental picture to see that chaos. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's kind of violent. It's very violent, yeah. And they were trampling one another. And, and he starts to teach um, about a bunch of different stuff. He starts to teach about, hey, you know, like... You're going to get questioned and don't fear because the spirit will, you know, like will tell you what to say. And then, you know, he uh, he also, um, you know, talked about, um, you know, he talked about like everything that you do in secret will come to light. So he's having all these conversations. And then, you know, like in, in verse 13, um, like somebody actually like jumps in. And like interrupts. I mean, so there's a commotion that's going on, all these people trampling each other. And this person jumps in and uh, and says, hey, teacher, rabbi, um, you know, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Hmm. It's kind of like random. Yeah. Like out of the blue. You know, like, because Jesus is talking about all these like, like spiritual stuff. Mm hmm. And then this random dude, he's like, hey, like. In, in your reading and prep, because I'm not sure, um, was it seen that rabbis would preside over that kind of a dispute at times? Yeah. So rabbis, rabbis, this is evidently, you know, something that rabbis actually did on a regular basis. They, they were well, they were well versed as far as all the rules and regulations and law. Huh. We got to go back to school. I know. Yeah. Be a pastor, make a law. I actually Be met like... a guy, sidetrack, mm -hmm. but I met a guy at the seminary who had his law degree yeah. and had passed the bar and the whole nine yards. And he was getting his Master's of Divinity on top of it because he really wanted to do and understand and dive into international justice law, oh, which fascinating. is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Really cool stuff. But he's like... I don't understand why the MDiv takes so long. It takes longer than it took me to get through law school. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, thanks for the encouragement, man. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, no, so actually one of the, the fun facts is that there, there's actually some documented cases of rabbis who lived in rural areas and they got bored because they weren't hearing enough law disputes that they actually ended up moving to the bigger cities to be more involved in this hmm. law-giving thing. Was it lucrative in any way? Like, I wonder... No! because so they, they're not paid No, for they're this? not paid. No, it was just... Fascinating. For the, just for the love of law and justice. And, and yeah, I, I guess, like, hey, I have knowledge. I will settle, you know. Um, I'm guessing there were some underhanded things that happened too. I'm sure, you know, I'm <laughs> sure that that in private, you know, you give the situation with 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 Jesus, and this guy randomly say, "Hey, tell my brother to, uh, you know, give me my part of the inheritance, um, to divide the inheritance with me." You know, I, I can see, you know, another rabbi or somebody saying, "Hey, let's talk afterwards." You know, yeah, let's, let's work something out. Right, you know. So, so the the first thing is that obviously somebody had died, okay? Like his dad had died mm -hmm. and had left 
some sort of a state. Mm -hmm. um, Middle Eastern law at that time, first century Middle Eastern law, said that the, the land or the assets were divided. Um, the older brother is the one that initiated this thing. Okay, so the older brother is the one that kind of had to, like, settle and begin this transaction, if you want to call it. So you, you look at this and you say, okay, so this had to be a younger brother making the request. Because an older brother wouldn't have to make the request. Right. Because it would be his right. His right to, to have this thing. Yeah. So, so there's a family dynamic. You know, there's already tension here in the family because if this person is coming to this rabbi to try to settle this thing, it means that this person has already tried to do it with the family or the brother and that hadn't gotten him anywhere. Right. You know, um, and so the younger brother at this point imagined that he in his mind already had this idea of what it would be just for him to receive. Right. That perhaps differed from the idea of what the older brother thought was just. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a dispute. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a dispute, you know. So so what what's what's interesting about so so i read this quote by this author called leslie uh newbegin um who 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 wrote a book called the the, uh, the open secret and this is what he writes i actually like this quote i thought it was pretty cool he said if we acknowledge the god of the bible we are committed to struggle for justice in society okay justice means giving to each his due our problem as seen in the light of the gospel, is that each of us overestimates what is due him compared with what is due his neighbor. Hmm, that's powerful. Huh, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, we have, myself included, uh, we have a I earned it attitude. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's fascinating. So, so I'm, I'm going to reflect back on the Spartan race that we talked about sure. at the beginning. Um, in Spartan, you have these obstacles. Any obstacle you cannot do, you have to do 30 burpees. Mm -hmm. You get one try on every obstacle, which is a real pain considering one of the obstacles is you have to throw an actual spear mm -hmm. and stick it in a hay bale mm -hmm. from about 20, 30 feet mm -hmm. away. Right? So you have to really hurl it and stick it in a hay bale, which is very difficult. Um, a lot of people can't, uh, you know, my wife couldn't get it to the hay bale, let alone stick it in the hay bale. Right? So she had so, to do 30 burpees. So she had to do 30 burpees. But lots of the, the, the obstacles are, are like that. And then you're supposed to go do your 30 burpees. Well, nobody can make you do 30 burpees, <laughs> right? So and you mean I could do this race? So yeah, you could just walk right on by, get your t-shirt and your medal, right? <laughs> and that happens a lot. <laughs> and it's interesting how my definition of earned it and someone else's definition of earned it is so different, right? Because I remember my first, my, my first one, I did like 125 burpees during that mm -hmm. thing. And five of them were part of an obstacle. So like 120 burpees and I, I just had to crank them out because I felt like, no, I have to do this to earn it. 
And some people are like, well, I'm going to do 20 for obstacle. And some people are like, I'm just going to try an obstacle and then keep on going. <laughs> you know, um, but I think it somewhat reflects our, our, our attitudes toward earning and deserving and, and these kind. Of, it's like, well, I paid for the race, so I get the T-shirt and the medal no matter how I got to the end. Right. You know, um, whereas like I can't do that, but my, my wife's always teasing me that I'm kind of a black and white person. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but no, I mean, like we've created that in our culture and, and, you know, I, I think obviously, you know, it's not a conversation on social media, but you know, like when you, when you freeze frame a moment in time, nobody can argue with that. Right. You know, nobody can argue with your t-shirt and your metal picture. Right. Because <laughs> nobody was there. That's how we put the news together. We grab a little clip from somebody that they said, and then we blast it everywhere, right? Yeah. Like, they said this. Yeah. So, like, so here's the thing. Like, the, the moment, the snapshot in, in history that Jesus sees, okay, mm -hmm. is my brother's being unfair. Right. Because he only has that one angle. Like, hey, tell my brother to do the right thing. I mean, and it doesn't say the right thing, so I'm, like, adding some words in here. But but in a way, you know. Fair enough. Like, he's like, hey, tell, you know, like, my brother to, like, split the inheritance. So Jesus could become a divisive figure, okay, and help the division that already exists, you know. And, and one of the things that Jesus does so many times that I think would be a little frustrating to me, but I'm learning to embrace it even in my own life when I deal with people and things, is, is to not necessarily answer the questions at times. <laughs> you know, because any, any answer at that point would cause more division with the family. When right. you think about it, you know, because he's going to have to take sides. Right. You he's know? being asked to take sides. He's being asked to take sides. Um, and so Jesus... Um, actually, like, you know, he, like the whole life of Jesus was about bringing people together and about mm -hmm. togetherness and unity. Yeah. And this would have been completely against his nature. Right. To, to like hmm. be a divisive. It's a fantastic, you know, point. Um, so, so he, he ends up actually asking the guy, he says, Hey, uh, who made me a judge or divider over you? Like. So being a rabbi, out in in a way, kind of made him a judge, right? You know, but it's almost like he's saying, "Who made me a judge? A judge of you in this time?" And and the answer to that would would kind of be Mo would would it be like Moses? Or, uh, yeah, I don't or, know or law because sometimes Jesus asks these like rhetorical questions that his his audience knows the answer to. You know what I mean? Right. Like. Uh, when he's asked from where his authority came from, and he says, "Well, who did John the Baptist's authority come right. from?" Well, the answer to that was God. So he just didn't say it. Yeah. So, and I think that maybe by him asking that question, maybe again is one of those rhetorical questions where he says, "Who made me?" Like the audience there would have known. Like you've earned the right to judge mm -hmm. by being a rabbi. Right. So that if he gave an answer. You know, he had all authority right. to, to, to do, but, but he doesn't. And he uses this, this term there, man, um, which is not used very much in the New Testament. Hmm. Um, because it's, 
it, it was almost an expression that shows displeasure with the question. Okay. You know, so it's like uh, rather than saying, Tim, who made me judge? Or saying, hey, my friend, like, who made me judge? It's like, come on, man. <laughs> like, who made me judge? Like, right. that's a stupid question. <laughs> you know? Fascinating. Uh, so, so, like, just with that question that he asked back, it, it showed a little bit of the displeasure with the question itself. Um, which, when you keep in mind the idea of what we talked about last week with the rich young ruler, mm-hmm. also, that had to do with earthly possessions, okay, um, then that's, that's where Jesus, like, goes off in this little rant, you know, he's like, hey, listen, um, guard yourself against covetousness, okay, mm-hmm. uh, and then, which I love, it, and it ended up being kind of like my main takeaway for this weekend, it was like almost straight out from the text, not word for word, but it's very similar, he says, uh, your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and so um, then he launches into the parable, which is like the main parable here that in, in this whole section about, um, you know, he says the land of a rich man produced plenty. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, which I find just funny. Um, Yes, Gollum. (laughs) I know. I will say to my soul, soul, uh, (laughs) you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Um, And then, you know, he finished by saying, you know, uh, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Um, so is the one who lays up treasures for him, uh, for himself, and not rich towards God. Now that's kind of like, like the story. But there is a total of about nine eyes and me and mine hmm. in just a couple of verses. I mean, it's just yeah. very, very self-centered. Yeah. You know. Well, and it's interesting that that's the story that was told in this context because I think that story gets told a lot in Christian circles. Uh huh. But it's not told in this context very often. No. Right? That he, He's talking about materials becoming divisive between people. Mm-hmm. He's not talking about being generous, which is how this story gets used. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in, that, in that, you know, like, you look at the Old Testament, and there's a story of Joseph. And at one point, Joseph in Egypt... Okay, he builds a bigger barn. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily to be generous, but it's to keep people alive, to keep them together. Correct. You know, so, so it's not about being, you know. And, yeah. And so, um, so, so Jesus is bringing these people together, you know, like Joseph in the Old Testament, you know, with the bigger barns, it's about survival for the good of of the community right yeah um and and this guy is like no it's it's my selfishness is causing divisions right correct and so the reflection on us is in what ways is my selfishness keeping me from others 
So, so here's the thing. Like, <laughs> so in the context of division and selfishness, mm -hmm. and I didn't talk about this this last weekend, but in, in that culture, like input when it came to life decisions was of a corporate nature. Mm -hmm. Okay, you brought the family together, you brought your friends together, and you said, Hey, guys, like, everything was communal. I mean, right? Like, yeah, so much of life for them. I, you even look at their houses, they all slept in the same room, people. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> whole families. So, this guy would have been like, Hey, guys, listen, um, I'm already rich, but God blessed me with an even more because he was already rich to begin with. Right. He's just a rich man, okay? But uh, God blessed me with this incredible, you know... Windfall. Windfall, okay? Like, what should I do? Like, I need some input. I need some help from all of you. Um, but it's... But it's almost this picture of a very lonely person. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like he's, like, like he's got nobody to, like, bounce the stuff off. Like... Yeah, and show me someone that's very self-focused, and I'll show you someone that's very lonely. Correct, because again, <laughs> there's that, like, divisiveness, divisiveness causes mm -hmm. separation. separation, you know? So, so he's got all this stuff, and he's, he's talking to himself. I will say to my soul, soul! <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> hmm. And like, and so, so this parable, like this rich man, uh, obviously Jesus is telling the story, but it's almost like if, if this rich man is referring back to, because Ecclesiastes talks about, I mean, almost uses the same words, eat, drink, and be merry. Right. You know? Um, he's like, I'm going to go uh, live the biblical life, see? It, right? Yeah. <laughs> My life came straight from scripture. Yeah. Solomon said it, I'm living it. <clears throat> And not that there's anything wrong with that because, you know, we also talked a couple of weeks ago about Jesus being accused of being a drunkard mm -hmm. and a glutton, you know. So obviously Jesus was drinking and eating and being merry. So both in how material gets used and in our attitude towards material, it's the purpose therein that matters. Because Jesus goes and <clears throat> eats and drinks and is merry for the sake of relationship with the lost for the sake of relationship with other people for the sake of 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 being there with and unified yeah. and together right not for the sake of now i'm gonna take it easy right yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna hide my you know it's just like i'm gonna isolate and yeah i'm stuff. gonna hoard and stay on my yeah. own and live the rest like, of my days yeah. out in in ease yeah so so there's still some of this focus on on if we use how we use things, does it pull us together? Does it push us apart? Yeah, and I've always said, you know, in the context of Christianity and stuff, is that 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 a lot of times, you know, you see it across all, all over the place that we become hoarders of the kingdom, you know, that it's it is about us, mm. you know, when it comes not just to possessions, but when it comes to about spiritual stuff and our church and our people and our schools and you know all these things you know we like eh, you know like we hoard all these things um, and and in that we isolate and become divisive you know in the sense that we have people that live next to our churches and 
like they're completely isolated from us. Right. Yeah, uh, we. That's why, it, you know, the the traditional model of church is a fortress mentality. It is isolation, protection from the world that is evil. Is the the, the mindset that created what mm-hmm. it is we do and how we have it. Mm-hmm. And it's <clears throat> this this idea of of. of hoarding, if you want to call it that, um, is driven by this fear. You know, I think that for a lot of us, it's driven by this fear that that we, we're we going to lack something later on. Right. You know, this is this fear of lack. Yeah. This fear of not having enough. Mm-hmm. This fear of, of you know, well, but, but what, you know, well, what's going to happen if, you know, what's going to happen if? Which ties in so brilliantly again with Jesus as he taught, you know, we talked about the Lord's Prayer last year. Mm-hmm. You know, give us this day our daily bread. Not give me this we- day towards my retirement. <laughs> not give me this right. day towards an easy life. Not give, yeah, or not give me this day tomorrow's bread. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's a, that's a, a, a reliant prayer. It's not a prayer for abundance or for blessing. It's a prayer for sustenance and survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's, it's this idea of, of this daily thing, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and, and I think it's, you know, I, I did mention it, you know, this idea of figuring out our lives, what, what, what is enough, you know. Um, I kind of wrapped up <clears throat> with, with the story of... Um, Joseph Heller, who uh, was an American writer, novelist, who wrote uh, Catch-22, which is probably his best-known uh-huh. you know, work. Uh, and he passed away, and at his funeral, uh, one of his friends, another writer, um, wrote a little poem. It doesn't, it doesn't read like a poem. It's kind of a, a reading. But the, the ba- basic idea is that it says that at one time they were at, at a party of a really, really wealthy uh, individual and and in the midst of this party he he tells joseph his friend he's like hey so how does it make you feel that this guy who's throwing the party you know probably makes in one day more than your book will make in a lifetime hmm. um, and it's interesting that that the answer that Joseph gave his friend at that time, which was read at the funeral, was this idea that he said, hey, because, you know, it's, I'm perfectly okay with that because I will have something that, that he'll never have. And his friend mm-hmm. was like, what is that? He's like, the sense that I have enough, you know? Um, which is, so here's the thing, okay? Like, sometimes you read the Bible and you read the stories of Jesus and you read... You know, like, and we've been doing this for a long time. So we've read all these passages, you know, plenty of times. But sometimes you take these stories isolated from from what happens before and after. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and it just, I it, I never realized that the next thing that Jesus talks about after this parable is, don't worry about tomorrow. Okay. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's like, it just, I'm like, oh, that just makes so much more sense now. 
Yeah. You know, he's like, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, you have the lilies in the field and God takes care of them. The birds, you know, they don't worry about what they're going to put under, you know, like, you know, don't stress about that stuff, you know, because God in heaven knows what you need, you know, um, and, and, you know, and finishes that section by saying, so like, in spite of all that stuff, you know, like, know that God's going to take care of you. Like, if you seek God's kingdom first, like everything else is going to be okay. Yeah. You know, and I never, I, you know, like that takes such a much richer meaning for me. And it communicates uh, quite a bit about what the, the kingdom of God is, that it's such a relational thing, mm-hmm. you know, um, that, that there's something that we have, that we can do, that we stand up for, that, that, that we are together, regardless of outside circumstances or materials or economic status. You know, the, the number one um, factor often in social interactions is economic status. Totally see that. You know? How often do you interact with someone that is of a different economic status than you? Yeah, we, we've, we've got a lot to learn as far as our faith communities and Christianity. We're a long ways from figuring it all out. But uh, anyways, good conversation. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's, uh, again, a beautiful day here in Denver. We'll come back next week. Hope you can join us as we talk about mothers and God and gender neutrality and all kinds of interesting and fascinating things. Can't wait. Can't wait. That's going to be awesome. Maybe Lori will come in and join us. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we can buy somebody. So anyways, uh, Danny and Tim here. Have a great week. All right. Have a good one, everybody. See ya. to us by spring, uh, brought to us by warm weather, brought to us by Andy's chocolate mints, um, brought to us by highlighters of all colors, uh, by the My Bible, My Bible Oh no, we can't do that. Etta, I don't even know how you I say know, that. I name. have that whole set, that's not happening. <laughs> uh, They're actually us- worth money. So, Are they? Yeah. Nice. If you've got a whole set somewhere. Brought to us by adhesive spray. Right spray adhesive. Uh, brought to us by... Let me look at my Tuesday workouts. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. <laughs>